Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett with Hickory Ridge Community Church down in Chesapeake, Virginia. And I'd love to invite you to come worship with us any Sunday at 9 a.m. or at 1045 a.m. And I tell you what, I just love worshiping with God's people. And uh, yesterday we did some reflective type of worship, and uh, it was a great worship experience as we celebrated our moms and all that the moms do for us. And so I want to invite you to come and worship with us any Sunday, 9 or 1045. Well, today I want to talk to you about a very important subject. And the question is, what is the tribulation? I don't know if you ever thought about that. Maybe you feel like you are, are living in the tribulation right now because of all that's going on in your life. But I want you to know that Daniel had a lot to say about the tribulation. And so for the next day or two, I'd like to talk about what the tribulation is all about. I'm not going to give you everything about it. I'm going to give you what the Bible says about it. There's some things that are kind of a speculatory about the tribulation. But let's look at what God's word says, specifically what Daniel had to say about the tribulation. We're Daniel chapter 12. We're going to look at verses 1 through 4. And Daniel is writing, he says, At that time, Michael, that great prince who protects your people, he will arise. There's going to be a time of distress, such as has not happened from the beginning of the nations until then. But at that time, your people, everyone whose name is written in the book, will be delivered. Now, we know he's talking about the Lamb's Book of Life. He says, if your name's in that book, you're going to be delivered. Verse number two, multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake. Now, this is talking about the rapture of the church, right? Now, not only does the New Testament talk about the rapture, but the Old Testament here in Daniel talks about that. Those multitudes who have passed on, they're asleep in the dust of the earth. That's talking about their body, not their soul. Their body is going to resurrect and be united with their soul. Their soul is in heaven, right? To be absent from the body for the believers to be present with the Lord. But we're going to have a new body. That's why I believe we're going to get our glorified body at this moment. It says, those multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to everlasting shame and contempt. So here we discover that this is a time of judgment that's going to take place. And then he says in verse number three, those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens, those who lead many to righteousness, like the stars forevermore. But you, Daniel, roll up the seal, the words of the scroll until the time of the end. Many will go there and there will be increase of knowledge. So we're given some hints here as to what's happening. We learn from verse number one that the time of tribulation is a time of great suffering. Uh, This time of the tribulation is between the rapture of the church and the second coming of Christ Now, the first time that Jesus came, he came to pay for the sins of humanity. During this time of tribulation, right after the rapture, there's going to be great suffering. This is where mankind, those who have rejected Christ, are going to be suffering for rejecting salvation. Daniel says it's going to be a distress that has not happened from the beginning of the nations. In other words, because they have rejected the free gift of salvation, God's wrath is going to be hurled upon them. There's going to be great suffering. Secondly, Daniel says there's going to be a time of great separation. Those whose names are in the book of life versus those whose names are not in the book of life. He refers to those who are going to awake to everlasting life and those who are going to wake up to shame and everlasting contempt. So here we learn that everybody's going to rise again at this moment. Some to everlasting life some to everlasting damnation. And again, the soul of you is already in heaven or separated from God in hell. 
but now your body is going to be united with your soul for this final judgment. We discover that it's going to be a time of separation. If your name is not in the Lamb's Book of Life, you will not be raised up to everlasting life. Now, that little phrase, the Book of Life, is found many times in the Bible. Let me just give you a few examples to kind of get the context of what the Book of Life is about. In Psalm 69, 28, David is writing, and he says, May they be blotted out of the Book of Life and not be listed with the righteous. And he's talking about his enemies who have rejected God. He says, They should be blotted out of the Lamb's Book of Life. He's talking about actually his own people. They are living in such a way that is not congruent with a follower of Jehovah. And so he's praying that their names will be blotted out of the Lamb's Book of Life. Of course, that's not possible. If they're born again as an Old Testament saint, if they're putting their faith and trust in Christ, the coming of the Messiah for their case, then their names are in that Lamb's Book of Life. Philippians 4.3, Paul is writing, and he says, Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side with the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. And so here Paul is giving us kind of an exhortation. He's reminding us that those who are companions with us in Christ, whose names are in the Lamb's book of life, you should help them because they are sharing the gospel. So somebody whose name is in the Lamb's book of life is your brother or your sister in Christ. You should be helping them share the gospel. Revelation 3.5 is the third place that we see that phrase, the book of life. And it says, the one who is victorious will, like them, be dressed in white. I will never blot out the name of that person from the book of life, but will acknowledge that name before the Father and his angels. So here we discover something about the tribulation saints is what John the Revelator is talking about. He's talking about those who have gone through the tribulation. There's going to be people actually going to be saved during the time of tribulation. The way that you'll know that you are born again during the time of the tribulation is that you're not going to receive the mark of the beast. You're also going to be one who is dressed in white. And here John is reminding those who are tribulation saints, those who are born again in that time, that they never have to worry about their name being blotted out of the Lamb's Book of Life. They're going to be having their name acknowledged before God in heaven and before the angels. Here's another place that that phrase, Book of Life, appears. And it appears in Revelation chapter 13. And it says, All the inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast, all whose names have not been written in the Lamb's Book of Life, the Lamb who was slain from the creation of the world. Here we discover that one of the ways that you know you're not in the Lamb's Book of Life is that you're going to worship the beast. You're going to receive the mark of the beast, and you're going to worship that beast who is going to rise up during that time of tribulation. Revelation 17.8 says that that beast which you saw, you saw once was now, is not, and yet will come up, and will come up out of the abyss and will go for its destruction. The inhabitants of the earth whose names have not been written in the Lamb's Book of Life or the Book of Life from the creation of the world will be astonished when they see the beast because it once was, now is not, and yet will come. Here we discover that this beast is going to be deceiving everybody. They're going to think that that beast died, but then the beast is going to come back to life. It's the Antichrist doing what Christ has done, coming back to life, mimicking what God has done through his son. But we discover the inhabitants of the earth, of those whose names have not been written in the Lamb's Book of Life, 
They're going to go right along with this beast and they're going to end up in the abyss, in destruction. Revelation 20, verse number 12, it says, And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne in heaven. Now, when you look at the book of Revelation, you got to understand the scene that John the Revelator is talking of. In Revelation chapter 20, the scene is up in heaven, and he sees the great, the small, and, and the great standing before the throne. And then the books are open. And he says, another book is open. So there's two books that are open. There's the beam of judgment, and there's a great white throne judgment representing these two books. That other book that was open is called the book of life. It says that the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. So John is actually talking about two judgments and two books. And when he's talking about the great white throne judgment, he's talking about the book of life. Listen, you don't have to worry about the great white throne judgment. If your name is in the Lamb's book of life, you will enter into heaven. If your name is not in that Lamb's book of life, you will be eternally separated from God. Revelation 20, 15, still the scene is in heaven, says anyone whose name was not found written in the Lamb's book of life or the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Listen, I know I'm going to be in heaven one day because my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And then we go to Revelation 21, verse 27. The scene is still in heaven. Nothing impure will enter it. Nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. So there are eight occasions that we see this phrase, book of life. In some cases, it's very specific, talking about the Lamb's book of life. We discover here, written in the book of Daniel, there's going to be a time of great separation at the end of those seven years of tribulation. We also see that it's going to be a time of great shining. Even during this seven year of tribulation, Daniel says, multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens, and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. Oh, isn't this amazing when you think about it? That during this time of tribulation, there'll be one final opportunity for the gospel to be presented. The tribulation saints who have been born again during that time are going to be shining like the stars forever, sharing the gospel, and there's going to be people that are going to be saved. Well, I don't know about you, but I would not wait till the tribulation to be born again, because I believe if you're hearing the gospel today, that you'll be so blinded during that time of tribulation that you will receive the mark of the beast and you'll be blinded to the truth of the gospel. I think that those who are going to be saved, we know there's going to be 12,000 of Jewish descent, 12,000 from each of the 12 tribes, the 144,000. These are going to be those that are the, the stars that are shining forever. They're going to be the ones that are going to be proclaiming the gospel, but then there's going to be people from other nations and other tribes that are going to be born again. But those are people that have never heard the gospel. There's going to be people that are going to be in that time that they never heard the gospel. All of a sudden, all these Christians are gone, and they're going to be searching for answers. Uh, Maybe they'll pick up a broadcast or a podcast of a preacher sharing about the rapture of the church, and they'll say, man, uh, this is exactly what that guy is talking about. He predicted it was going to come based upon the Word of God, and they're going to come under conviction, and they're going to be born again. Well, before I go too far, I want to make a distinction between the rapture 
and the second coming, because they're two separate events. Now, Dr. Grant Richardson has put together a nice chart, and I want to walk this through to you. And I know this is hard on a broadcast to kind of follow this. I wish I could put this on a PowerPoint slide. But the events of the rapture and the events of of the second coming of Christ are distinctly different. And 1 Thessalonians 4.17 talks about Christ returning in the air. But then Zechariah 14, 4 and 5 says that Christ returns to the earth. So on the rapture, Christ doesn't return to the earth. He comes in the air, and then we're caught up to meet him. During the second coming, Christ returns to the earth. During the rapture, we learn from 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17 that Christ comes for his saints. At the second coming, we learn from 1 Thessalonians 3.13 and Jude 14. There's only one chapter in Jude, and and verse number 14 says that Christ comes with his saints. So in the rapture, he comes for us. In the second coming, we are coming with him. The rapture of the church concerns the church. It says those who are in Christ, 1 Thessalonians 4.14. The second coming concerns Israel and the nations and those who who are born again, who have not heard the gospel. That's found in Zechariah chapter 12, verses 2 through 9. In the rapture, we discover that we have changes in the bodies of the believers. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 51 to 53. During the second coming, there will be changes in the hearts of the Jews. Zechariah 12, 10. The rapture is imminent. We don't know exactly when it's going to happen. It could happen at any time. Uh, Even Jesus doesn't know the exact time of the rapture, but we know that the second coming is not imminent. It's going to happen seven years after the rapture of the church. For the rapture, there is no signs, right, that are to be yet fulfilled before he comes, but we know that there's signs of the second coming of Christ, according to Matthew chapter 24, verses 29 and 30. In other words, everything is done for the rapture to be taking place. But there's some signs that are still not fulfilled that will be fulfilled during the times of the tribulation before the second coming takes place. We discover in 1 Thessalonians 4.18 that the rapture is a blessing. Oh, man, I can't wait for that. That's why I always get around and I tell people, I'm not waiting for the undertaker. I'm looking for the upper taker because it'll be a blessing not to have to experience physical death. Now, I don't know if I'm going to live long enough to experience the rapture. I hope and pray so. But the rapture is a blessing. Now, the second coming brings about judgment. According to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 8 through 12 and Revelation 19, 15. Now, Paul tells us the rapture is a mystery, 1 Corinthians 15, 51. But the second coming is not a mystery, according to Zechariah chapter 14. In 1 Corinthians 15, 52, we discover that the rapture takes place in the twinkling of an eye. You think about how quick you can blink your eye. That's how quick the rapture is going to take, uh, faster than the snap of a finger. Now, the second coming, on the other hand, is visible worldwide. Matthew 24, 27 says, and Revelation 1, 7 says, you know, the rapture involves the church. The second coming primarily involves Israel. You see, in the rapture, those taken are going to be taken for a blessing. Now, the world's going to probably say, man, thank God they're gone. And we're going to say, well, thank God, now we can get our eternal reward. Uh, We discover that those who are left will be left for the judgment. Listen, if the rapture of the church takes place and you're left behind, you're going to be facing judgment. 
We are living in a day and age of grace. And I know things are really difficult right now, and, and things are really hard right now, but can you imagine how difficult this is going to be when all the believers are taken out of here and are raptured up? You know, you think about the restraining of evil because the Holy Spirit resides within the believers. Now, conservative estimates will say between a fourth and a third of our population are genuine, bona fide, born-again believers. If that's true, then a fourth or a third of our population is protected by the Holy Spirit that is living within the hearts and the bodies of believers. We are actually restraining the forces of evil. In the rapture, those who are taken up will be taken up for a blessing. We will no longer be fighting against evil. We will no longer be preserving a culture. We no longer will be the salt of the world, uh, the light of the world. If the rapture takes place, the enemy is going to be loosed. He's going to be taken off that restraining of the Holy Spirit. And it's going to be a time of great judgment. In the second coming, those who are taken for judgment and those who are left behind will be protected if they know Christ. Now, we know that no date for the rapture, uh, as a matter of fact, no man knows the day nor the hour. There's no elaborate dating system that is given for the rapture, but we know exactly when the second coming is going to be taking place. Daniel tells us about that in Daniel chapter 7, and he talks about 1,260 days, that's, that's 42 months, that's three and a half years, they're going to be halfway through that tribulation, and, and the second half is referred to as the Great Tribulation. We discover also at the rapture that the Son of Man is never used of the rapture, but in the second coming, the Son of Man, that's Christ is coming. In the rapture, we hear the trump sound, but we actually don't see the Son of Man. In the rapture, we discover that the saints are transformed. In the second coming, there's no transformation that has taken place. In the rapture, the saints go up to heaven. In the second coming, there is no translation, no transmission of people going to heaven. At the rapture, the world is still unjudged. But at the second coming, the world will be judged. The rapture concerns only believers. The second coming involves primarily the unbelievers. The rapture is revealed only in the New Testament in Ephesians chapter 3. Daniel predicts it. It's revealed in Ephesians chapter 3. The second coming is revealed in both the Old Testament and in the New Testament. Now, we think about the duration of this time of tribulation. Daniel talks about how long the tribulation is going to last. He says in Daniel chapter 11, and then going into chapter number 12, he gives us these figures, gives us three different separate figures. In Daniel chapter 12, verses 5 and 10, he says it's going to be 1,260 days. In Daniel chapter 12, verse number 11, he says 1,290 days. And then in Daniel chapter 12, verses 12 and 13, he says it's going to be 1,335 days. So when you add up those numbers, it gives us the total of the tribulation. We discover that in Daniel chapter 12, that we're, we're halfway through the tribulation. And then he brings us through the other half of the tribulation. Now, I want you to know that Jesus talks about this time of tribulation. In Matthew 24, he says, 
for there will be a time of great distress. And he uses that same terminology, great distress, unequal from the beginning of the world until now. Jesus, many believe, is actually quoting Daniel with this particular phrase. And he says, it's never going to be equaled again. Now, you think about that. For the great tribulation to take effect, nothing will equal that time in human history. Jeremiah also wrote about the great tribulation in Jeremiah chapter 30. He says, this is how awful that day will be. He says, no other will be like it. It will be a time of trouble for Jacob, referred to as Jacob's troubles, but he will be saved out of it. In other words, there's going to be a remnant that is going to be saved during that, that time of tribulation. You know, I think about the Holocaust of the Great Tribulation. It's going to take place. Uh, you think about the Holocaust under, under the reign of Hitler. That Holocaust was nothing compared to the Great Tribulation. And I'm not diminishing that. It was a horrible time where six million Jews were exterminated. But during the Great Tribulation, it's going to take place after Satan is cast out of heaven. And he's cast out at the hands of Michael and the angels. And that Antichrist will be a willing tool in the hands of Satan himself. And it's going to accelerate that end time. And it's going to be the culmination of the Great Tribulation. The Antichrist will then be revealed for who he really is. He's going to have this false charade of peace. He's going to deceive the world's population, the majority of the world's population. And all of a sudden, Great Tribulation is going to fall. Now you think about the sufferings that, that the Jewish people have gone through in the past. Egyptian pharaohs have tried to eliminate them. The Assyrian autocrats tried to eliminate them. The Babylonian barons and the, and the Persian government tried to eliminate them. Hitler tried to eliminate them. Great tyrants, Roman Caesars have tried to eliminate them, but they weren't able to defeat them. They were always delivered. Even during the rapture, even during this time of the great tribulation, we're going to see that God is going to deliver some of his people. He says they're going to be delivered. He's going to be released. They're going to be rescued. This deliverance refers to the individual salvations, a salvation of those that remnant that will be saved. There's also going to be this time of great separation. Now, when I think about the tribulation, I don't want to be here for the tribulation. I don't want you to be here for the tribulation. The Bible talks about the fact that you can escape the tribulation. The book of Hebrews, written to the Hebrew believers. I believe Paul wrote that book, and you can disagree with me if you want, but he says, How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation was first delivered to us by the prophets and then was given to us through Jesus himself? As a reminder, if you reject Christ, there will be no deliverance. You will not escape the wrath of God if you reject Christ. You know, today, I pray that you will receive the gift of salvation. It seems to me there's a lot of curiosity about this time of tribulation. Jesus said that at the time of tribulation, those who reject 
Christ will be handed over to persecution and they'd be put to death. Jesus said those who embrace Christ will be hated by all the nations. I want you to know that you can avoid going through the tribulation by accepting the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Doing that today, your life will be radically changed. You'll have the Holy Spirit living within you. All you got to do is receive that free gift of salvation. Call upon the name of the Lord and you will be saved. Why don't you do that right now? Acknowledge that you're a sinner. Sin is missing the mark. It's falling short of God's glory. Sin is anything that you do that displeases God, whether it be a thought or an action. Jesus died to pay for your sins. He rose again victorious over your sin. And all he asks is that you believe in him, call upon him, and you will be saved. Just a simple prayer like this. Dear Lord, I know I've sinned. I have fallen short of your glory. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins and that you rose again three days later. And today, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my life, be my Savior, and be my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you just prayed that prayer, would you give me a call? 757-421-7500. I'd love to pray with you. I'd love to support you at this time. God bless you. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to hear this broadcast again, you can have a free download at buzzsprout.com backslash 1890557, or you can listen on Amazon, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are 9 a.m. and 1030 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, go to hrcc7.org. And remember, no matter what you're going through, in Jesus Christ there is always hope for your heart.